Hello, I'm Josephine Burton and welcome back to the Dash Arts podcast, seeing the world through an artistic lens. At the end of 2021, we actually created and made a production, Songs for Babinya. It was emotional and challenging and hugely rewarding. Songs for Babinya commemorates the horrific massacre of more than 30,000 Jews in 1941 and then a further possibly 100,000 murdered lives through the course of the Nazi occupation at Babinya a ravine on the outskirts of Kiev in Ukraine. Through beautiful, soul-touching music, personal testimony, storytelling, film and poetry. Thanks to our amazing international partners and performers and creative team, as its director, I miraculously managed to make it in Germany and London, and we performed it in Berlin, London and Kiev in the autumn. Rachel, Dash's fabulous podcast producer, also moonlighted as our stage manager in Ukraine. She recently reunited us, sadly digitally, to relive the experience. So Rachel, how was it for you? Well, I mean, firstly, thank you for having me. I was thrilled to be able to come, honestly. But for me, it was a very different experience to anything I've produced or stage managed before. It was so raw, so real, and, um, and you never forgot where you were standing. It was also such a pleasure just to see how invested everyone was because I know from experience that is not always the case. And that was from all sides. So like creatives, artists and the Ukrainian and German cultural institutes. I'm really, really glad that we were able to catch up with Mariana, Sveta and Yuri and get their reflections on the show because we've all been so busy afterwards and then it was the holiday season and it's taken a little while, but I'm really pleased that we were able to do it. And without further ado. Hi, everyone. Thank you so, so much for joining me again. Post-Ukrainian show to talk about Songs for Babinya. I mean, I was there. It was an incredible show with an incredible reception and so well-deserved. It was the most moving thing I've ever seen and certainly the most moving thing I've ever worked on. How was it for you? What were you sort of expecting the reception to be and, and was it different? Well, I don't think it was our second show, right? The one before was in London and it felt differently, although both were very, very special and very emotional. Still in Kyiv, where it all actually happened, it resonated differently with the audience and with us. The feedback was different and uh, I think I won't exaggerate if I say all of us were overwhelmed. Yeah, definitely not. Josephine? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would agree with Yuri. I mean, I think there was a lot of um, nerve. There's a lot of nerves and expectations the first time, the first time round with teching and dressing and doing it all in one day. And there was so much adrenaline running around just trying to get it kind of off. And then I think we didn't have a second show. So we just did this one show, which we we saw its potential. We knew it worked and we knew it was going to be amazing. And then we got to really, I think, the second time round and doing it in Ukraine, we got to be in it, be in the show and actually kind of felt more intense. We were properly performing and the audience were phenomenal. The response was amazing. I had a feeling that if I remember, you know, what was for me to perform in Kiev and what was the difference of performing in London or a small part in Berlin, it felt in Kiev that with this piece, with everything we are talking about, we are doing about, and the subject itself, 
in Kyiv it felt like to touch the naked nerves. You know, when in London there was there was kind of distance somehow, maybe because for the audience or for most of the audience, the subject of Babin Yar is somewhere in the past, somewhere far away. And in Kyiv it felt so near and so urgent and so painful, so painful, like for us and for audience, but also so important and what we heard a lot after, in the way kind of healing, it's like, you know, it's like to make pain, but for, for to reveal the pain, like healing. Yes, cathartic. I was very moved. It was very interesting to to read the feedbacks on Facebook that people wrote who attended our show. And many of them sent friends requests. Um, I only guessed by their names that they are Ukrainian from Kiev or from other parts from Ukraine. And I guessed that they were at the show. And then I had the possibility of reading their words. Almost all of them were talking about this very strong connection in the audience, the experience, not just the show, the show, the, the artists on stage and the people in the audience were all united and were all connected. It felt like a, like a communal experience, like not individual experience, but rather as a community. And I think that this is something which we felt on stage and for me personally, it would helped me to get through because I've never done a show in my life which would be so emotional where I have to really dive deep into what we are talking or singing about and at the same time be very conscious and careful about my own emotions on stage. And sometimes we have the moments when Mariano or Yuri hold me there. They hold me there with their eyes. Our eyes locked and I'm holding you, I'm holding you. And I felt this from the audience. I felt that this was all united. It's like we held each other and we were talking with each other about something, the hardest thing in the world. And we were helping each other to get through it emotionally, I think. I think that's a beautiful thing to say, Sveta. And I, it reminds me of the conversations that we had in the rehearsal room. I mean, almost the very first conversation really was talking about how do how do we support each other? How do we look after each other as we touch this material? And that conversation that we had, I think, was one of the first, you know, first first day, first rehearsal, almost over a year ago. And um, we kept coming back to that conversation. I, and I remember a very, a very emotional conversation that we all had in and I wonder if that if that connects to to what you just said Mariana about the distance that happened in London because there's something about that distance which maybe shielded you all as artists a little bit and as as you said Mariana the proximity to the actual site it came alive so much more and 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 I to hear you say Sveta that you felt like you were being held is very brilliant because I'm not sure that we we fully acknowledged that that could happen when we had that first conversation we were thinking about us as a unit we weren't really thinking about the potential of the audience to support us and it completely felt like that at the end that conversation the Q&A which went on for longer than our show it was like a group therapy session felt to me like a group therapy session just every single person wanted to share something I was going to ask about the 
the Q and A actually because it, as you say, it went on for such a long time, and and I was listening in the back and felt like there were some real stories being shared and some real characters that had that wanted to talk. Do you guys remember any any stories in particular from people? I remember Svetlana, Svetlana talking about the place of Babiyar and how they weren't allowed to grieve there or to come there um, to remember. It's possibly probably worth me adding for Svetlana um, Petrovska is an educator and a, and a historian and she was born in 1934 and she told us the story about how she had um, left Kiev with her parents, um, but her grandparents and her aunts had not left. So she returned after the war. She told us a story about how she went annually every year to the Yar, even when they didn't, when you weren't allowed to, when they weren't even marking it yet as a memorial and a grave. And they, as Anna said, they were moved on. And she used to bring roses, I think she said. She used to bring roses there every year and they moved them on. And her grandparents died there and her family. To, and to, to be in this in this environment where... She felt able to share that story and we were having an encounter with somebody who had a personal relationship with the space. It was amazing. Yeah, I think it's also maybe important to say that it was only one performance in Kyiv, in huge town, in capital of Ukraine. And actually for really, for such a big capital, for very little people who could attend it. And most of the people were invited by us by Goethe Institute, by the Ukrainian Institute. So it was a very special audience. I felt it was like, you know, Ukrainian intellectuals, Ukrainian writers, philosophers, activists, like the best, basically, and very kind of family, dear one, you know, it was dear people who came. So it was, in the way, very beautiful and I felt a lot of warmth and a lot of openness. Like, you know, it's like family. On the other hand, for example, for me, it was very important to invite Svetlana Petrovska. I was really hoping she would come because she's 86. And because, you know, for me, it was like presence of Rahil in our performance was and present of Svetlana Petrovska in the audience in our performance. It was like biggest gift and biggest blessing and then and also biggest responsibility what we do and how they would respond to it. She was so moved, wasn't she? She she just she she just couldn't. I mean when I when I spoke to her briefly, she I think she thought she thought that actually I was you that you were me, Svetlana. She got us confused and I was honored to receive the the congratulations from the performance from on your behalf. Um but she couldn't, you know, she just needed she just wanted to talk and then she stood and she she spoke. Um and then she started to recite poetry. It was just phenomenal. It was Ilya Ehrenburg who worked there in 1944, I believe. So this is one of the earliest poems written on the subject, I believe. And it was very moving and touching and slightly surreal because uh, nowadays I don't think people recite poetry just like that. You know, this was magic. It was magic and the tone changed and the, everything. And presumably she stepped from Ukrainian into Russian or did she say the whole thing in Russian? No, she was moving. She was moving Ukraine into Russian. You're right. That's my read of it. But I, I, you know, I have to acknowledge in front of my extraordinary multilingual 
brilliant friends that my languages are still shocking and my Russian and Ukrainian are terrible. But for me, actually, um, the big difference for me to experience the, sh the, the performance was to, to, to experience these, the, um, the texts that Mariana and Yuri and Sveta were, were saying in, in Ukrainian rather than in English. And it, it was a big change for the show because in English, in, in the UK, you know, there was a lot of English spoken. Um, and it was a different, obviously for me as a non-Ukrainian, speaker largely um it was it was it transported the work it became something entirely different and more um i would say probably more honest in some ways how did it feel for you guys to be doing it in ukrainian challenging but it felt right <laughs> better it's not your first language or your second or your third language ukrainian right well it's it's my second language which i um didn't practice for so many years because my family left ukraine when i was 13 and since then i basically never spoke it so it was the first time um singing in ukrainian and speaking ukrainian from stage felt very special it, it was a very vulnerable place for me also because uh I didn't feel uh, secure with my words, but it felt like this is the right move. This is the right decision. This should be the language. We all three of us speak on stage. So I'm very glad that despite all the mistakes, <laughs> whatever, I, I did it in Ukrainian. It felt good. We had a lot of feedback, but there was no feedback about your mistakes in Ukraine. I compensated <laughs> it with other things, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved it, Sveta, and I loved that you tried. But I also, my most, my, I think my favorite experience really was watching uh, you doing it together as a three and, and Mariana kind of coaching you through the Ukrainian. It matched so nicely, Yuri, with your text towards the end when you talk about learning Ukrainian, about moving from, you know, like relearning relearning or you know converting a russian to ukrainian the kind of combination of your own journey and then experiencing sveta life was very special i can totally relate to what sveta is saying because uh, although i've been practicing ukrainian recently in the last uh, three or four years uh, i believe it was the first time that i was speaking at length in ukrainian from from a stage in Kyiv and this felt very, very exciting, also very challenging and very rewarding because it felt like uh, in a way a circle, some circle was closing and it did help that we actually knew exactly what we wanted to say because we did that already uh, two weeks before that in London and it wasn't an exact translation. I think we changed some bits slightly when uh, putting them like I would not say translate, but when saying it in Ukrainian, yes, because we knew we are facing a different audience, obviously. I think it was more in London, it was a kind of, it was more, for the lack of other better word, I think it was a more of an educational show in a way. So we knew we're telling something, well, in a way more than it was in Kiev for me, because I knew that part of the audience probably doesn't know what we know. And uh, in Kiev, it was different. You know, it's interesting you say that, I, Yuri, because I, I can understand that. And, and we did get asked that question, didn't we? Like when we were in Kiev, one of the other questions to, to us was, you know, does anyone even know about Babinyan? 
in, in, in London. But actually, I don't, I, my, the feed, the, my experience in the room watching the audiences and in the Q&A we had in London, but also all the feedback that we got back, we got amazing feedback from London as well as Ukraine. Nobody said, oh, you've taught me so much or I've learned about something um, that I didn't know about. It was, it, 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 they all felt transported by it as a theatrical musical experience so I don't think it felt didactic I think we managed to create something that was very personal and powerful as a work of art which to me is the tribute to it's a tribute to you all as artists and and to the journey that we went on to make that happen but it is it, it is also a tribute Josephine to to your how did you stage it because most of people which which wrote me privately or also some for example one, my dear friend and great, one of the best actor in Ukraine, when he spoke about silence we, we had in the show. And he spoke, he wrote later about that it didn't felt that we are a performer on the stage. It felt like so personal and so close. And he told like it felt like we are sitting in living room and it's a family conversation about something very painful but very important to speak through. And I was thinking about this that there was like there was no distance between audience and us performer. And I think it's actually because how you suggested that we are in Yuri's living room, in Yuri's studio. Was the way you went about directing it different with each space that you took the show to, Josephine? Well, we've not really done it in in Berlin yet. So we, it was a sort of theatrical concert when we performed it in Berlin. So we only really have had two proper performances. And I think ultimately um, we created something magical and with the brilliant and with this brilliant team. So the, the intimacy happened with, thanks to my brilliant one. Well, brilliant again, wonderful collaboration with Yael. He's the dramaturg who brought in to help tease out He's out the text and she really spent so long and carefully working with, with uh, Mariana and Sveta and Yuri and I to enable the text that the artist spoke to feel that, to make sure it was their voices and their language and their way they, you know, we work with kind of verbatim techniques that really became their voices speaking directly to us on stage. So that's partly it. Marie Blank, who did this unbelievable set for us, incorporating design which enabled which enables us to move and for it to feel the same everywhere and Jess is lighting to create that enable us to feel that you know to playfully um explore this idea of of being in the same room as each other and then occasionally with different lighting enable Mariana, Sveta and Yuri to speak directly to us out of the studio. <laughs> was already going to be quite a difficult day for the three of you but how was the experience of going and visiting the site on the on the day of the performance you guys went to Baba Yar before coming to the theatre? I usually I'm very careful about going to places like camps and ghettos the only place I've been to is Theresienstadt and it was so strong and so overwhelming that I know that I'm being careful with where I go because I know so much from reading and listening and watching that um, sometimes being in those places is um, it's too hard for me. Um, so going to Baviera, I wasn't sure that I have to go. I wasn't sure if I want to go. I was afraid of getting overwhelmed right before we have to play the show, which is already emotionally very hard for me. But 
my worries weren't right <laughs> because because when you are there the devastating and the ugly truth that that Soviet Union regime managed to cover this place with concrete and create a park where people are walking their dogs where you cannot really make the connection between what happened here and the place that your feet are standing on and where there is no space for silence and just being and remembering it's a place which made me very sad for different reason you know what i mean this is a place where the, the memory was killed, manipulated and killed. This is what Mariana is talking about in the show, about manipulating the memory. I'm not sure I'm able to find the words to describe this profound sadness I felt there. I just can add to Sveta that I am so thankful and so happy that in Ukraine is now such an urgency and such that people feel this necessity of taking care of such places in Baban Yar and in all other places when massacres happened and that we are really now clearly understanding that we we have to do it and we have to do it now and also for to remember for me it's crazy suddenly I realized that there is no place to remember Holocaust in Ukraine, and there is no place to remember Holodomor in Ukraine. It's like both things were totally not allowed to even speak about during Soviet time, and both people really stand up now to fight for memory. You know, I don't know how to say it even. When you say this is this urgency now and this desire to to remember to fight for memory, where do you think that's come from? It's probably a very natural process of getting more and more free, more and more independent, you know, to free your soul, to free your identity, and then to understand how dangerous it is to manipulate the memory and to put baton over the memory, to understand how dangerous it is for us for our children, for our grandchildren, you know. I, I have heard about park, which is now in the place where Babanyar happened. And then when I when I saw people there making a walk or going with the dog, I I felt so angry. I'm not sure that I personally felt anger, but I have a different relationship with it with that place than the north or all of my colleagues. But I definitely felt um I couldn't feel the memories. I couldn't feel the horror in that place. The trees, the trees are all younger than the memory of, you know, than the massacre itself. And they're so tall. They've just, you know, like the place has been, as Svetlana was saying, it's been covered over. And I, I think to go that morning to the yard and then to know that we were going to the theatre to spend the next eight or nine hours in this incredibly personal, incredibly uh, intimate um, theatrical, musical experience where we would have this encounter with Rahil who his family died there and she tells these stories and it's 
personal and moving and emotional and rich and textured and layered and we there's all sorts of there's all sorts of emotional it's like an emotional volcano and I mean in a good way that happens in our work carefully sensitively gently um and I think I just felt that uh, it was that personal connection that all that we had with Rahil and with this story and you all have with the material in your own ways we, we really carefully found ways in to the material for you all. I felt that that's, that's the way to remember, not through great bits of concrete and parks. And um, so I felt really kind of, I think going there and not having a person, not feeling anything, made me realize the importance and the power of the work that we were doing to create something that felt more intimate and more personal. I think now in the, what, seventh year of the war with Russia, which has been very, hard and tough i think that ukraine is understands the importance of owning its history and uh, because otherwise it will be rewritten for them and uh, i think this is a late reply to your question is where this urgency is coming from uh, to think and to hear about this some of the darker pages of uh, the country's history. What are your hopes for Songs for Babi after the show? Are you hoping that it will be able to do it again in the Ukraine? It will be great to do it in Ukraine and it will be great to do it uh, anywhere, actually, because I think London... Uh, we're talking about the mostly about the Kiev show, but London show was incredible too, and um, it felt different. And I, I'm sure it will feel very different playing it in Germany for obvious reasons. But uh, I'm really looking forward to play it wherever we get a chance to do this, because I'm sure it will be each time it will be it will be different for. And uh, it will be painful, and I'm sure, but we'll be we'll come out of it stronger. And uh, you know, this is also this is a very mixed experience. It's it's really it is painful, but I think we were very happy after doing this in the end. As much as it's important for me to play it in other parts of the world, um, a big part of me would would love to go back to Ukraine and play and in Kiev again because as Mariana mentioned there weren't many people who could attend the show I know for sure that some people couldn't get tickets and I just think that people of Kiev they have to see it again it would be important for them to see it again that was one of the feedback and one of like requests that we perform it in ukraine more i really i would love to go to lviv i would love to go to khmelnytsky to vinnytsa to mariupol odessa. to mykolaiv odessa all these places where jewish life was so rich and i really think that very often like a lot of feedback people were telling it is healing it is important we need it we need it now I'm so thankful for the whole team that we managed to do something so honest and so not pathetic and with big pathos and with big, you know, because 
because that's also what happening now with the with the memorization of Baban Yar big horrible scandalic thing with a lot of ego and a lot of um, gigantomania that's the word gigantomania megalomania I understand megalomania and it's scary it's scary because it's it's not about memory it's about different thing you know I want to perform it everywhere, but most I want to perform in Ukraine. I agree. I agree. I want to perform everywhere too, and Ukraine again. What I was going to do when I was going to slightly hijack the conversation was to, to talk about, it's not just about the audience. For you three to be doing it there, for all of the poignancy of, of performing a show in Kiev, it was unbelievable. And Sveta, we haven't touched on... Um, we haven't touched on the, one of the most powerful moments of the evening was you performing Nahama's song... Um, which you talked about as part of the Q&A, but I don't know if you fancy sharing it with us in English as part of the podcast, how it, how it was to perform the lullaby. I will say a couple of words for our audience about what it is. It's a song which was written by the poet Chiki Dries and a composer Rivka Bayarska, and it's a lullaby for Babi Yar. It's a um, crying of a mother who is looking for her dead children and is trying... Since there are no remains of her children, she is trying to put to sleep the, the entire Babi Yar with her, with her voice. And she's uh, asking other mothers to join her in her song and her cry. And this song was performed uh, by my dearest teacher and friend, Nechama Lifshitz, who was a Jewish uh, Yiddish singer from Lithuania and performed all over Soviet Union. And she had this song in her repertoire. Um, but then when she performed it in Kiev, it felt like it was the first time that somebody at all touched this topic from stage publicly, officially. And the whole audience after the song, there was no clapping, no applause. Uh, the audience... Um, just stood up, people stood up and they were silent for a long, long time. And then one, um, and then um, Nehama had many problems after this concert in her career and personal life. And um, I don't know if the song was performed in Kiev after this concert, which I was just telling you about. Uh, it might very well be that this was the second time in Kiev's history that the this, this song, written by Ukrainian Jewish authors in Moscow, was heard in Kiev. And I've, I have to say that the song is sung towards the end of our performance. And until then, I was holding in there, but after the song, I, I lost it. <laughs> I hope that by our next shows I will be able not to cry because this is not something I don't I want to do on stage. I'm not trying to say that it was my failure in any case. No, I cannot judge myself for things I feel on stage in our show. But this was for me the the moment where I I, I emotionally couldn't control it anymore and it's good that it happens towards the end of the show <laughs> not at the beginning or in the middle um but yeah it was um overwhelming
You, you, you performed with such dignity and care, Sveta, and, and I was towards the back of the theatre, so I, I was not aware of the, um, the, uh, the tears, and it may well be that there were some people closer who, who were aware, but to my eyes, you kept together unbelievably. Thank you, Josephine. Um, I think I had a moment of, re- of, of having that moment while you were singing, thinking exactly that thought, has this song been sung here before, you know, since Nahama sung it? and was arrested by the KGB for singing it. Thank you for telling us that, sharing that story with us. It was an honour for us all to be with you as you sang that song. I actually want to add something because uh, about thinking where we would like to perform it and what does it mean. You know, well, while talking that I so much want to perform it in Ukraine, I suddenly realised, I mean, it was yesterday, the attack in US and synagogue, and it was few months ago, and Yom Kippur synagogue in Germany was in danger. And then I felt like, I know we can do so little and I can, I know our performance is not like huge, you know, show, but I really feel if we can do something to have our silent cry and to try to shake people and stop rising up antisemitism, it will be why we have to continue to do it. It's amazing you say that, Mariana, because I'm sure we all remember that that session we had like very right at the beginning in like December 2020 when we had the conversation where you said, I'm sure it was you, you said, why, you know, are we sure we want to do this? And Sveta said to you, but if we change one person's opinion, then we've then it's worth it. Do you remember saying that, Sveta? Yes, really thank you for remembering. Yeah. To have that back reflected back to us from you, Mariana, is amazing because I think we have the potential to do that. And I think I imagine then that you feel that you've seen that through the work that we've done, that we do have that potential to, to make a little change. Like, you know, one, someone said to me, like another brick out of the wall. We can just, you know, they put, they put two in, we can take one out. And who knows who this person is going to be? Maybe it's the new Messiah who is going to change the world. And... Probably. Probably. <laughs> Despite of that, we didn't know each other really before this work, and we felt so close, and we felt so much in love with each other. And so it will be so fun to continue. I watched this presentation of a recent book of this uh, of Ukrainian historian Yaroslav Ritsak, uh, some days ago, uh, and uh, he started with a, this amazing thought that no matter what times, what events a historian is writing about, he's writing about his or her times, or the current times. And I think what we did is something that it's as much about the past as it's about the present. Стається, падав сніг. Здається, було свято. Розквітли квіти. I want to thank Mariana, Sveta, Yuri, and of course our artistic director Josephine for their time and their eloquent, beautiful reflections. Many more dates are in the works for Songs for Babiyar, so sign up to the Dash newsletter for updates on where you'll be able to see it next. The Dash Arts podcast will return in a few weeks with our next series on protest songs with more amazing artists and speakers. And to play us out today, the beautiful and heartbreaking lullaby Sveta mentioned earlier in the podcast. I'm Rachel Head. Thank you for listening.
gehäutet, mein Jüngerle, mein Janko. Ise die Stubentrunnen mitten Flammenfeuer, wie soll ich heute, mein Jüngerle, mein Teuer? Ha, 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 ha,